0: Hey, Farfew, Good to see you. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. All right. It's good to be here, right? I want to welcome everybody all around all the campuses in Homer Glen, New Linux, Orland Park, everybody on Facebook Live. It's cool to be able to gather up uh, locally and virtually uh, all over the place and uh, study and sing and grow together. So just glad that uh, we're here. And it is the summer at Parkview. Uh, So if you've been around here for the last few weeks, you kind of know what the rhythm is uh, of this series. We're, We're taking places in the Bible, And Oftentimes, like a hero of faith in the Bible, oftentimes it's a person, and we're just diving in to certain places in the Bible and studying it and and seeing what kind of lessons and principles we can learn for our lives, our families, and uh, that will lead us into this coming week to get closer to God and and His Son, Jesus. So that's what we're going to do today as well. We're going to dive into a, a hero of the faith, and it's probably a person... Nobody knows about so it's going to be an interesting uh, study today but before we do that I start thinking about uh, heroes and heroes of the faith and superheroes even and the summer is a big time for superheroes. At the box office, and uh, lots of superhero movies. It's a good place to go and stay nice and cool, and that sort of thing. I was wondering, has anybody seen uh, this movie that just recently came out, Ant Man and the Wasp? Any any folks uh, seen that? Yeah, okay, like four people around here have seen it. So we're not. We're some of us are fans of it. It's. I actually saw it a couple nights ago. It's pretty good. It's pretty humorous. Um, but you're kind of you're thinking, Ant Man really is he a hero? Well, he he's kind of. Um, or what about this? There's another one that's out. Uh, the Incredibles are out. We have a Lasty girl. Yeah, some Incredibles fans. Uh, Elast- Girl is, is pretty cool, and uh, then of course her husband, uh, Mr. Incredible, uh, which is a great superhero. That's that's what I always want my wife Renee to call me. That's uh, Mr. Incredible. You know, uh, that's who I want to be. But. You know, I started thinking about these this summer, and there's some good movies out uh, with heroes, but they're not some of the mega heroes, like the super, super heroes with superpowers or strength or that sort of thing that have their own movies and franchises. So I thought it would be fun as we head into this study today and on into the summer, what heroes Around here are really we fans of what superheroes really light us up, and so I'm going to show you a few on the screen. And if this is your hero, uh, superhero, don't feel ashamed to you know yell or scream or stand up and kick or punch your neighbor, or, you know whatever whatever you want to do, you know to like show your strength and power. Okay, here you go. So here's the first one. Any fans of this guy, Iron Man? Yeah, a lot, a, lot, a lot of fans there. Uh, Tony Stark, pretty, pretty amazing. I, I think basically his superpower is that he's really rich, so he can do stuff with that. So it's, it's kind of a weird superhero, right? Uh, what, about, uh, what about Spider-Man? Spider-Man fans? <laughs> he just, he's so cool, right? He just kind of hangs around on stuff. And I, I love, love Spider-Man, uh, of course. Uh, what about Lego Batman? Any Lego fans? <laughs> Right? If I'm thinking about Batman, I'm thinking about Lego movies. They're just, they're just I think, better, and especially like the George Clooney era and that sort of thing with Batman is not, not, not the best. But I think Lego Batman is pretty cool. Or, or what about what about this one? What about her? Okay, okay, I get it. Okay, uh, I think Wonder Woman is crushing everybody right now. Um, she had a movie out, and she's getting ready to have some more movies out, and we're, so we're going to see a lot of Wonder Woman. Or what about this? Anybody Hulk? Anybody just want to like Hulk out on people? Yeah, some, some, we've got some Hulk fans, people just want to Hulk out. So there's all kinds of these huge heroes, right, um, who have all kinds of superpowers or things like that. But today, uh, what we're going to study in the Bible is like a way lesser known hero of the faith. Like And we're going to pull some really unique truths out, but we, you're not going to know this person. I'm just pretty certain of that. And so I started thinking, are there other superheroes that we don't really know about? Like in the comic world, they don't have their own movies, they don't have their own franchises. Maybe someday they will, but right now they're very lesser known heroes. But they do exist in the comic world. And, and I found some. There, there are some out there. Let me, let me introduce you to a few of them. First of all, this is, this is Squirrel Girl. Okay, she's like in the comic world, and, and she's, I don't know exactly what she does, but maybe she, you know, gets people with her tail or something like that. It's, it's pretty scary, I think, and she's pretty, pretty powerful. Uh, what, what about this guy? This is matter eater lad, okay? He can basically eat anything made of matter, which is pretty much anything, right? So he's eating a fence right here, which is impressive, right? So that's, that's like his superpower. He can eat, eat fences, that sort of thing. Uh, what, about, what about this, okay? This, this lady right here, her name is Bedazzler. Okay, be dazzler. And you know what her, some of you especially, those of you from the 70s are gonna love this. You know what her superpower is? She has the superpower of disco. That's her, she can like disco you down. Okay, like she can, you know, BG's you into oblivion. Okay, That's, that's that's what she will do. And some of you aren't from the 70s and you don't get it and you're like thinking, I'm not, you know, I don't even understand the 70s, I was like in the 80s, I'm kind of an 80s kid, 80s music, that sort of thing. Well, we have a superhero for you. This is Vibe. His name is Vibe and his superpower is breakdancing, okay? So he can, like, breakdance down on you and run DMC you down and all that kind of stuff, okay? So this is, this is vibe. And then also, here, here's the last one I thought was interesting. This, this is called, it doesn't have his own movie yet, but this is called Arm Fall Off Boy, Okay, and so I guess whatever, whenever he needs to, he can like detach his arm and just like, you know, kind of beat people with his arm, which is strange because your arm works when it's on, right? So I don't know why he needs to take it off. But anyway, so anyway, okay, okay. So, so, so these, there's all kinds of lesser known heroes, right? And that's where we're going today. In the Bible, if you have one with you or a smartphone or a tablet, Second Samuel chapter 23 in the Old Testament, Second Samuel chapter 23, we're going to look at some of David's mighty warriors. Now, David would have been a superhero, right? Like he defeats, you know, Goliath and that sort of thing. Uh, But these are some of his lesser known warriors that are with David. So let's dive in. 2 Samuel chapter 23. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. First of all, there's Josheb, Bechebabeth, the Tecmonite. Anybody know about Josheb? You're thinking, oh yeah, I know, of course, all about Josheb. No, probably not. Josheb, Tecmonite, he was the chief of the three and he raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. So this guy's pretty powerful. He took a pretty amazing stand for, for God and his people in and, and that, and that time in, in the world. And if, he, if we had a name for him, he would probably be like Spear Boy or something like that. You know, he's, he's good with the spear. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Doadi, the Ahohite. Anybody, uh, fans, or know about Eleazar? Probably a lot of you are, oh, yeah, I was, you know, studying him last week, you know, in my quiet times, uh, Doodai. No, probably not. He was one of the th- three mighty warriors, and he was with David, I love this, when they taunted the Philistines. And whenever I see this kind of language, I'm kind of a Monty Python fan, so I start thinking about, you know, I taunted you a second time, you know, kind of thing. They, they, anyway, sorry, that was just me. Uh, they, they taunted the Philistines when they were gathered at Pasadam and for battle. And then the Israelites retreated. Uh, But Eleazar stood his ground and and struck down the Philistines until his hand grew tired and froze to his sword. So he's fighting so vigorously that his his sword and his hand just like come grown together. And it says the Lord brought about, again, a great victory that day. And the troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. And then next to him, this is the person we want to dive into. Next to him was Shema. Everybody say Shema. Shema Shema was the son of Aji, the Herodite. And when the Philistines banded together at a place where there's a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shema took his stand in the middle of the field, and he defended it. And he struck struck them down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Now there's just a few verses there. But I want you to use your imaginations, if you will, for the next few moments and what's happening in this time in the world. You have Shema and the Israelite people are all out in these fields. It says they're full of lentils. Now, you know what lentils are, right? They're, they're like, they're like pea, beans or peas or something like that. It's like a pea patch or that sort of thing. And this is their crops. This is their livelihood. So they're out there with their rakes or shovels and they're taking care of it because this is how they, how they live. And so maybe the Philistines, the enemy, or up on, you know, the, the ridge or something like that. And they're sitting around the campfire one night. We don't know exactly how this happens. But one of them says, hey, what do you guys want to do tomorrow? And, and one of the guys says, hey, you know what we could do? I, I look down there. The crops are basically ready to take. We could, we could just rush down. They would probably all run off. Who knows how many times they've done this sort of thing. And we could grab their crops and, you know, have all that. And so they say, okay, let's do it. So the next day, we don't know, again, exactly how it happens. But we know they come banding together, it says. And they come rushing in. And it says when that happens that all of the Israelites take off, except for Shema. Shema's standing there, and Shema basically says this, okay, I have left my pee patch for the last time. I'm not going anywhere, so he stands there with like his rake or something like that. And the Philistines are coming down, and they're thinking, yeah, you know, this is going to be even easier than last time, and look at everybody run. And, And then they see this one guy standing there with his rake. And maybe one of the Philistines says, hey, don't worry about him. I'll go take care of him. And he gets over to Shema. And when he gets to Shema, he's a little bit surprised. Because Shema takes his rake and goes, whap, knocks him down. He's on the ground, whap, knocks him out. Another guy says, hey, that was my buddy. He comes running. I'll take care of him. He whacks that guy down. And then who knows how many people come at Shema. So I'm picturing this in my head. Maybe there's eight or 10 or 15. And he goes, whap, 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 whap. Right? We would call him whap boy is what we would call him. That would be like his name. And and, and the Bible says that he takes his stand and the Lord brought about a great victory. And again, there's just a few verses. But I've been thinking to myself and I've been praying and preparing for this weekend for us to study together. What what would Shema, if he was here, what would Shema want to say to us? And and here's kind of where I think he would go with this. He, He would say, listen, in a world where there's all kinds of people taking all kinds of stands for all kinds of things, God needs some people to take a bold stand for him. I think that's what he would say. And I'm not talking about in a militant way or being violent. I'm not suggesting, you know, later on today you go home, you know, and you go in your garage and get a rake and you go around all your neighbors who aren't mowing their lawns and things like that and say, hey, you should be. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about maybe shame would say, you know, we need some Christian people to quit apologizing for being Christian people. Amen. We need to be ready to take a stand for what God has for us in our life and our world. Yeah, we need some people who have rock-solid convictions in their lives. That's what allowed Shaman to take his stand. He had some convictions. I'm gonna, I've left my pee patch for the last time. And those convictions for God and his principles and his people is what allowed him to take his stand. And so today, here's where I want us to go for the next little bit in our study. I want us as just one church... On three different campuses and people on Facebook all around the country, I want us to talk about just one thing, one thing today, and that is convictions. One topic, convictions. What are convictions? How, how do we get them in our lives? How do our kids or our grandkids get convictions? How does our, does our family have any convictions? And, and, and these are going to be important for anybody, young or old, who wants to take a stand for God and his principles in this world to have some convictions in our lives. To get us all going in the same way, if you want to write this down, convictions are principles that are never open for negotiation or compromise. So you think about what these are in your life. Do you have some things in your life that no matter what, they're not open for negotiation, you're not going to compromise these things no matter what? These are your convictions in your family for yourself. So, whenever you get these, whenever I start to get these in my life, I want to dig a little deeper into this. Whenever we have these things and the ways we want to live, the principles that we want to honor God with in this world, I can tell you a couple things. First of all, these convictions are going to be tested privately. As soon as you, and some of you know this, as soon as you begin to get some things in your life that you're going to live out, that you're going to do, that you're going to be about, you can just bet that the evil one, the devil, is going to try and tempt you and test you and dismantle these things in a private way. Oftentimes, as soon as you discover him, he's gonna try and dismantle these things in a private way. A while back, I was speaking uh, at a different part of the country to a group, and I'd been speaking a good part of the day Saturday and into Saturday evening, it was maybe... 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, I got back to my hotel room and uh, got all my things situated. I was going to be speaking again the next day. and I was exhausted, so I was just getting ready to go to bed. So I got everything ready. I got, you know, everything arranged to go to bed, and I got all 96 pillows. Which, why do hotels have so many pillows, by the way? But there's, there's 100 pillows. I got all of them situated, and then I just grabbed the remote. Right? And, and many of you have been there. I grabbed the remote, and I'm just going to watch some TV and crash out. And as I get the remote, I turn on the TV. Like the second channel that I come to, is this screen that is advertising for hotel guests all kinds of just explicit movies, right? Just all all kinds of -of out-of-bounds movies. They're they're pornographic movies, okay? And here's what you need to know about me. Uh, I, I have a conviction about this, obviously, like many of you do, and you would expect that I would. I have a conviction. Certainly about these kinds of movies and even other movies that are going to put images into my head or even language into my head that I don't want there. I I have this conviction that there's probably a lot of movies that you would say, you know, Todd, that's good and fine. But I feel like it's going to put images or language into my head that I don't need there. So I just don't watch a lot of movies that other people watch. That's just me. So I'm not saying it's you, but just that's me. And so I certainly have a conviction about this. So I'm sitting there and I have this conviction about certainly this kind of content, but no one else is there. And, and to take it further, no kidding, as I'm looking at this screen, down in the bottom corner, there's this little button. And it says on this little button, for a free two-minute preview, click here. And so nobody else is in the room. No one's going to know. It's just me. I have a conviction against this, but for a free two-minute preview, click here. And no, no one's going to know. And you're thinking, well, maybe someone will know because you'll check out and you'll have had paid for that movie. Well, guess what? This, it goes further. It goes further. On the bottom of the screen, no kidding, on the bottom of the screen in italics, it starts scrolling across the bottom of the screen. And here's what it says. Names of movies do not appear on hotel receipts. <laughs> Names of movies do not appear on hotel receipts. And so here's just me sitting there having a conviction about this. And, and some of you know because you've, you've been there. And you've had your convictions tested in private when no one is looking. And that's where I was. I, I guess I better finish that story, right? Uh, some of you are thinking, what did you do? Right? Okay. So you're like, what happens? Hon? We're going to need to know this. So, okay. So I took the remote and, and I, I turned it off and I was in a place that was a little colder. So I literally put back on some clothes. I put back on some sweats and I went outside and I ran kind of jogged around the building two or three times. And then I went up and went to bed, you know, just to kind of, okay, I'm, I'm good now. And, and, and but that, that's kind of where it's at. The, the hardest thing about convictions is that they must be lived out while no one is looking. That's what makes them hard, but that's how to evaluate them in in your life. So let me ask you this, Parkview. What are some things in your life that you would not compromise, even if no one would ever know? Even if no one's ever going to know about this, what are some things you would not negotiate or compromise? Your your convictions, my convictions, uh, must be tested privately in our lives. And believe me, the evil one will start testing those things. Uh, The other thing is this they must be lived out publicly they're tested privately but lived out publicly our convictions the principles that we live by are not a private matter only i mean back to shema think about shema he didn't just sit around you know and think about man it'd be cool one day if i stood up you know and the philistines were coming and i took a stand and i mean how cool would that be he didn't just think about it he actually did it in public in real life. And I would say this, part you, it's the convictions that we live out publicly that give evidence to the fact that we are what we say we are. There should be things in our lives that give evidence to the fact that who we say we are is, as followers of Jesus or people who are pursuing God's kingdom. And maybe some of the convictions that would be in your life would look like this, just really good, simple things. You're involved maybe in a small group or a Bible study, or a neighborhood gathering of people, or a rooted group, or something like that. And the reason you do that is because you have a conviction that you want to be in community. You've heard it talked about in the Bible, or around here at Parkview, or somewhere, that that we need to be together with people in community. You have a conviction about that, so you're involved in a group. Or maybe you have a conviction to serve. You know that Jesus came to serve, and we are called to serve other people, and so you serve people in your neighborhood, or You serve people around Parkview at VBS or VBX or whatever it is, and that's a conviction because it comes from wanting to be more and more like Jesus. And so that's how you live that out. You serve. You don't just think about it. Man, it would be cool to serve. You really do it. You live it out publicly. Or maybe you're generous. You know that God has been generous to you, and so you're generous with your money and your resources back to other people in need and, and God's church and, and things like that. You see, it's, it's the convictions that, that we live by that give evidence to the fact that we are what we say we are. Now, with that being true, let me also say this. Don't miss this. Our convictions don't save us our convictions or our works what we do doesn't save us we are saved by what he did not by what we do amen that, that's what saves us and, and it's, it's stated very clearly in the bible in ephesians in chapter 2 for it is by grace you have been saved and through faith and this is not from yourselves it, it is the gift of god not by works in other words it's not by what you do it's not by your works it's not by your you know stand or what you you know how you stand out it's not by works so that no one can boast we're saved by grace through faith so that none of us can say you know look at what I did Uh, but with that being said with that being said listen it's still true that the convictions we have in our lives should give evidence to the fact that we are who we say we are they should cause us to stand up and stand out and and appear a little different at times than other people around us in the world. Or maybe let me say it like this. God has no secret admirers. None. There's no such thing as a secret admirer of God. And, and one of the things that I oftentimes, I get into conversations with people about faith and about church and about the Bible, and, and a lot of times when we're talking about faith and taking a stand and being bold and living by conviction, a lot of times here's what I have people say to me. They say this. They say, Todd, I get all that. I understand it. I think that's great. But here's the thing, Todd. Here's what they say. My faith is, is kind of a, a private thing. My faith is just kind of a private thing, Todd. And listen, I, I understand totally that mindset and that mentality. If, if you have heard that before, if you feel that way, if you've said that before, if you feel that way right now, Todd, I get all that and the convictions and standing up and standing out and that sort of thing, but my faith is just it's kind, of a, it's kind of a private thing. Here's what i Again, I understand it, but, but here's what I'd also say. It, it just can't be true. It just can't be true of us. And here's why. Follow me here. Your faith, no matter who you are, your faith is a personal thing, but it was never meant to be a private thing, right? Your faith in Jesus is as personal as it could be. The way you came to Jesus, the way he reached out to you, the way you interact with God now, it is as personal as it can be, but it was never ever meant to be private or hidden. Or or, or like undercover or something like that. Now take a look at what Jesus himself says. These are Jesus' words in the book of Matthew. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. So that they may see your good deeds and, and do what? See your good deeds and, and, and notice, not see your good deeds and then start, you know, applauding you or calling you a superhero. Not, not see your convictions, not see your stand and think, oh, wow, you're so amazing. But they could see your good deeds and then what do they do? And then they praise your father in heaven. The reason we have convictions in our lives, the reason we take a stand and we want to be bold for different things in our faith is not so that people can look at you or look at me and say, wow, you are amazing, you're incredible. No, we do those things so that people can see us and then it points them to God. It shows them who God is so that people at work, they look at you at work and they say, wow, you're, you're like different than other people at work. And the reason you want them to notice you that way is so that, so that you can say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I follow after God and his principles. So you can point them to God. The reason you're different from people in your school, students, students, It's not so that people can think you're so cool and amazing and so unique and such an individual. The reason you take a stand for God and his kingdom is so that people can see God and his kingdom through you. That's why we do it. Our convictions, the way we live, should point people to our Father in heaven. And I promise, whenever you start to get some of these convictions, these principles that you're going to live by that are never open for negotiation or compromise... They're going to be tested privately and lived out publicly. As soon as you begin to do that, here's what's going to happen. I just want you to know the whole story here. It's going to lead potentially to some conflict. You're going to get into some conflict in your life. In fact, take a look at this. God-honoring convictions often lead to conflict. Now, again, I'm not saying here, you know, the being militant or, or, or you know being all violent and that's sort of, I'm not talking about that I'm talking about leading to some conflict some tension with people around you your convictions will often lead to some tension and some conflict and I know even right now as I start saying that I, I can see some of you you know kind of getting smiles on your faces and it's because you love conflict you just do there's some of you who are like yeah let's do it come on you love conflict if there's not a conflict you'll create a conflict you, you, you just enjoy conflict, but here's what I want to say uh, to those of you who love conflict and just getting into conflict. Oftentimes, just getting into conflict with our world or with your neighbors or with your coworkers or with your family members and things like that, that is not the best way, oftentimes, to influence them for Jesus. It, it, it's just not. Rarely do you conflict somebody into the kingdom, right? It just doesn't happen. I, I don't know that I've ever really been talking to somebody and I say, okay, well, hey, how did you become a Christian? How did you come to faith? And have them look at me and say, well, you know, here's, how, here's what happened with me. There was this person in my life and they were just so mean. They were just so hateful. I mean, they were incredibly hateful and they hated me right into the kingdom. You know, they conflicted me right into the kingdom. They argued me right into the kingdom. Now I'm a Christian. I just wanted to be like them. No, that, that rarely happens that way. But, but with that being said, that there will still be times, there will still be times with certain things and principles in your life that you're gonna to have to take a stand for what you believe and it's gonna to lead to some tension. It's gonna to lead to some conflict in your life. A-, a while back, I was at a sporting event and uh, it was a big, big, huge stadium watching a professional game. I won't tell you who the team is because you would just start cheering and booing and things like that. And we just, you know, don't need to go there. But I'm at this big event and I'm with this guy. There's a guy with me and then there's this row of guys, maybe five or six other guys right in our row down from us together. And, and the game's getting kind of tense and people are standing and cheering. And, and these guys uh, alongside of us have had uh, several uh, things to drink. And so they're more excitable. And, and several of these guys are using all kinds of, of how do I say this, very, uh, very flowery language, right? Uh, very, very, uh, like my shirt, very vibrant language, okay? And uh, you, you've heard, many of us have heard, adults and students, we've heard this kind of language around work or school or that sort of thing. And, and a lot of times I can just let that slide off and, you know, they're just getting louder and louder and using this kind of language. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But then one of the guys... Uh, And I'm not even sure, you know, where he is at first, but somewhere there in the mix, one of the guys starts using some colorful language that that I have some convictions about. And and here's what this guy started doing. Midway through the game, he starts saying things like this: Oh my God! Jesus Christ, just tackle him. And as I start hearing that, I just that's I have a conviction about that. I can let a lot go. But when people start using God's name in just a careless way if I'm by myself or especially if I'm with my family I just I it's hard for me it's very hard for me to take and I I uh I hulk out you know no I'm just kidding I I, I, I squeezed him to death no I didn't no, I, I wanted to I did I, so I I so I have a conviction when, when people start using Jesus name in just a careless way to me it brings up everything that he is And so I just can't, I can't take it. And so I'm sitting there in this game and I start thinking to myself, well, this guy, he must obviously be ignorant about how God feels about all of this. And so here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. I will just enlighten him. I'll enlighten him. I'll help him, right? And so (laughs) I I try to enlighten him and I almost got my face beat in during the enlightenment (laughs) process. So what I'm saying is, when you have things in your life, big or small, that you're going to stand for and some convictions, sometimes it's going to lead to some tension. Sometimes it's, it's going to lead uh, to some conflict in your life. And I, w- I would say this to you. I, I, I think you can agree with this or not, but I think the time has come and gone. And as I look at our world, I think the time has come and gone when a person can call themselves a Christian and not turn any heads. I just think we will at times. Not every single day, not every single hour. I get that. But but it, the time has come and gone when you can call yourself a Christian and not make any waves or turn any heads. There should be things. What I'm saying is that we stand out. There should be things where people look at us and say, "Wow, you're different. Why are you living that way?" And then when we let them know why we're living that way, it points them to God, our Father in heaven. Right? We should stand out. A, a while back, a, again, a while back, I'm, I'm having dinner with some of my friends. And uh, I, if you can call it dinner, uh, we're at Taco Bell. So it's kind of dinner. It's, it's like not really, it's cheap. So it's, it's, we're seeing a movie and we need the money. So, um, so we're, we're at Taco Bell, we're having dinner and we're, we're getting ready to sit down. We're getting ready to have, you know, this uh, eat together. And, and I have this thing, pause right there. I have this thing that I do. And, and uh, whenever I'm gonna eat, I always pray before we eat. And so uh, I have this game and, and we, we play and I've t- taught it to a lot of people. I'll teach it to you right now. So you can do it later today or this week with your family or friends or whatever. It's called thumbs up. And so the deal is whenever you get the food back to the table wherever you are at home or restaurant, and, and the last person to sit down, as soon as they do, then the last person to get their thumbs up has to pray. Okay? It's not like praying is a bad thing, but this just reminds to, to, to pray and, and that sort of thing. So we're there, toggle Bell, and, you know, we're, we're there. We get there. Everybody sits down. I'm, I'm like one of the last. I am the last one to sit down. I put my food down, and as soon as I put down my tray, all of them thumbs up. And they beat me at my own game. Okay, I had taught them this. This is my gift to them, and then they beat me at my own game. And so I said, I said, okay, 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 I'll pray. And then I went on to pray this huge, amazing prayer in Taco Bell. I'm thinking, well, you guys are going to pay for this, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to pray, <laughs> you know. And so I did. I went on to pray, and I, I began, oh, dear Lord. You know, and I'm trying to grab hands like nobody's wanting to grab. Like, I'm. Just grab- Squeeze. Oh, dear Lord, thank you for this beefy burrito that I have on my plate. Thank you for these two double-decker tacos. Thank you for my scorching hot salsa. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you for this large Mountain Dew that you know I'm going to refill before I leave this place. Yada, yada, yada. Amen. And when I got done praying, some people were looking. Some people are looking like, what in the world's going on with him? Why is he praying so loud? And all, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and here's what I want to say. It's just, I know it's kind of silly, but there, big things and small things, there should, be, there should be places in our life each and every day that we stand up and stand out a little bit from this world because of what we believe. And sometimes it's just praying before I eat. But we should stand out. And now, taking that stand and getting into conflict, as you know, is not the whole big deal. You can't just get into conflict. You actually have to endure the conflict. Think about Shema. Back to the story. What if Shema, after knocking down and defending his land against five or 10 or 15 or 20 people, what if he'd have said, you know what, I'm just getting so tired. I don't think I can do it. My sword is so heavy. I'm all alone. Nobody's with me. Nobody's standing with me. What would have happened to him? He'd have died, right? They would have killed him. It's only when you and I endure the conflict that we can experience the victory. You have to endure some conflict and some tension in your life to experience the victory and and pointing people to God and his kingdom in heaven. So here's the question as we pull this all together and wrap this all up here today. How do we do it? How's all this work? All the stuff we've been studying? Taking a stand, convictions. How do we do that? Do we just gut it out? Do I just get done preaching in a couple of minutes and I say, Okay, Parkview, on your mark, get set, go. And you just all go out and you just start standing. You just start being bold and taking a stand. I think that's the way it happens in a lot of churches around the world and the United States every single weekend. People go out and they just say, okay, they get all amped up at a weekend worship service and they say, I'm going to do it, I'm going to be bold, I'm going to take a stand. And we go out and we get, we get shot down pretty quickly. Why is that? We, you got to know the full story here. you got to know that the reason a lot of times we get shot down in our convictions is there's another side to this. There's an evil one who is against us. Isn't that right? There's an evil one that we don't talk about very often, but he is against us. And and the evil one, the devil, listen to this. He has thousands of years of experience in picking off people who are trying to take a stand. He's not new at this. He's been trying to pick off people who are trying to take a stand for a lot of centuries. It's not just you. It's not just me. He has a lot of experience. Maybe you never thought about it this way, but let me put this thought in your head with this whole experience thing. Some of you play guitar. We could use any example. Some of you have been playing guitar for five years, six years. You get pretty good five or six years. Some of you have been playing guitar and know somebody who's played guitar for like 30 years or 40 years. You can get really good at guitar in 40 years. But what if, what if you had 1,000 years to play guitar? What if you had 1,000 years to get good at guitar? You, you could do some pretty amazing things, right? The evil one has had thousands of years to get good at picking off people who are trying to take a stand for their convictions. That's why in the Bible, in Scripture, that's why Jesus never encourages us to just go out and stand alone in our own power and strength. In fact, in Acts, in the Bible, the very first church is getting ready to start, and this guy named Peter is preaching, and he gets done with this great sermon. And all of these people come up to Peter and they say, what should we do? How can we live for Jesus? How can we take a stand in this world we live in, which there was a lot of people persecuting them for their convictions? What do we do? And here's what Peter says to them in Acts chapter 2. Peter replied, you need to repent and be baptized. Repenting is turning from your principles to God's principles. Begin to live for him and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off from all whom the Lord our God will call. Listen, you were never meant to just stand alone. You were never meant to try and pull off the Christian life and God's principles on your own. You were never meant to leave a weekend worship service and then just go gut it out. You and I were always meant to live and stand in the power and presence of the Spirit of God. Amen? That's how we're meant to live. And some of you know about that, and some of you are doing that, and it allows you to stand and endure tension that you couldn't endure on your own. But others of you don't even know about this, and you're just trying to gut it out on your own. You've known about God and his spirit or Jesus, but you've never accepted him into your heart. Maybe that needs to be you. This weekend, take a look at this, the way uh, Billy Graham describes this. He says, most people miss God By about 18 inches. They have him in their head, but he never makes it to their heart. About 18 inches. Maybe that's you. You've believed and known about Jesus and God and his spirit for a long time, but you've never accepted him into your heart. Maybe the first stand some of you need to take this weekend is a stand for Jesus, accepting him. And then all of us, all of us can begin to live out our convictions by his power and his strength so that our lives will point people to him. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for a time that we can dig into your word and and take a look at these folks who had heroic faith, but we don't even really know about them. And God, we can learn about convictions and taking stands and, and what that looks like in our lives. God, I pray that as we begin to develop these with our family or our kids or our grandkids or personally, that, that we would stand in your power and your spirit as these are tested privately and lived out publicly. And God, I pray most of all that as people see us living differently, I pray that our lives would cause them to notice you, our Father in heaven. God, we love you, and we need you. We need you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.